today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Romans chapter 6, in your Bibles tonight, uh, we're going to pick it up with verse 14. Romans chapter 6, verse 14, dealing with the subject of the sin nature that every single human being is born with. It is the corrupting force within the heart of every human being. It corrupts from the time we are born, growing on up, and it shows in the lives of the unsaved. But the Apostle Paul said, Romans 6, verse 14, for sin, talking about the sin nature, for the sin nature shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now, there's only two ways to address the sin nature. Two ways. It's either law or by the means of grace. By default, we automatically address it by the means of law. We don't know anything else to do. Even before God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, men were making laws to maintain order and to keep some type of peace Uh, in society to uh, govern the people in whatever the case. And society uses that to measure the righteousness or the the holiness, the goodness of an individual. And the idea is if I abide by the law, if I abide by the rules, then I'm a good person. And then if I don't, then I'm a bad person. The problem is Uh, The Apostle Paul said, Romans 3 and verse 10, There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3 verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means that we have all broken the law in some way. And the reason we break the law is because of that corrupting force on the inside known as the sin nature. And with that, we see here that law can only do so much. Um, Haven, if you will, go to Romans 8 in verse 3. Paul tells us why the law can only do so much. Romans 8 verse 3. For what the law could not do, what could the law not do? Produce righteousness. Why? It is weak through the flesh. Look at that. For what the law could not do, it was weak 
through the flesh. The law told us what to do, but did not give us the power to do it. The flesh is weak. We within ourselves are not able to keep the law. We went through some 1,600 years of law. God gave it to the best people on the face of the earth, and none of them were able to keep it. There was only one who was able to keep it. That was Jesus Christ. And guess what? He didn't have a sin nature. So that that ought to tell you something right there. The sin nature has so so weakened the human being. And even Jesus said, the spirit is willing. The spirit of the human being is willing, but the flesh is weak. And it is that sin nature that has severely weakened us. And the law told us what to do, what not to do, but gave us no power to do it. Now, that was under the old covenant the Old Testament of law. In the New Covenant, God deals with the sin nature by the means of grace. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. That's universal grace. God sending His Son into the world to die for everybody. Makes no difference who you are. Makes no difference what you've done, where you were born, what your circumstances are, what your nationality is. For all, whosoever will, if that person will come and accept Christ as their Savior, the Lord will save them. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And I want you to notice there it's in the likeness of sinful flesh. It's not saying that the Son of God was sinful. His flesh was, was like ours in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin and for the sin nature, condemn the sin nature in the flesh. Now, that is grace as it pertains to the believer. The moment a person accepts uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, then the Lord can come into that heart and life and shut down the sin nature. And He shuts it down in the flesh. Shuts it down, cuts it off, and that's for all who will believe. If the people out here don't believe, they've got an active sin nature. Faith is the active ingredient. It is the key that unlocks the door and activates uh, the Holy Spirit. And the first thing the Holy Spirit does when He comes into the heart and life of the believer is to shut off that sin nature. Romans 8 verse 4, "...that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us." That righteousness cannot be fulfilled until the sin nature is shut off. That's the only way that righteousness can be brought about is if the sin nature is shut down. And it is for those who walk not after the flesh, meaning that you're trying to do it within your own strength, ability, fasting, Bible reading. I can go on and on with the things that a human being can do. You're not going to attain to the righteousness of God by those means. You can only do it by walking after the Spirit. That's what Paul said there in verse 4. Meaning that we allow the Holy Spirit to have His way within our hearts and within our lives. Now, let me, let me explain law and grace this way and give you a little illustration. 
we've got a path that goes behind my mom and daddy's house. And there's anywhere from 8 to 12 four-wheelers that go riding across our property doing whatever. And we don't want them on our property. I mean, if they would ride like folks, that would be one thing. But they, they got to get in there and, and, and gun it and sling it. And, I mean, they tear the path all to pieces. And they're down there constantly. And there are certain things you can do. There are certain things you can do that will stop them, but it's illegal. And so the only thing that you can legally do, and here's the bad thing about it. If they get hurt on our property, we can get sued. So they said the only thing we can do is put some signs up. And we put signs up and they tear them down, or the wind will blow them down, and they just still ride across there like, like the sign ain't even there. We put some barricades up, uh, tree limbs and stuff like that fall. We'll put them up where they go right. They'll just go right around it. And the only other thing I know to do is put a fence up, and that costs a lot of money, so you're just going to have to deal with it. And that's law. Putting signs up on that path, putting up barricades, that sort of thing, that's law. It don't stop the four-wheelers. Now, if I was to get the Nash County Sheriff's Department to come and park on that path and turn his blue light on and sit there, that will be a greater deterrent. You, you see where I'm going? They're going to come so far, and then they're going to turn around and go the other way. That's grace. Do you follow what I'm saying? All right. Before we put up signs, there was no enforcement there. They just blowed right through them, going to do their thing. Under grace, we've got the sheriff there. We've got the high sheriff of heaven residing within our hearts and lives. And he is a greater deterrent to sin than law. All right, Romans 6, verse 17. But God be thanked that you were, that's past tense, the servants, or the slaves, of the sin nature. But you have obeyed from the heart, that has to do with our faith, that form of doctrine, which is the cross, which was delivered to you. Now our faith in what Paul is teaching us here, which is the meaning of the new covenant, Christ in him crucified, that is what has delivered us uh, as being a slave to the sin nature. Now in verse 19, Paul apologizes for using such a crude illustration as us being slaves, but that's what we are, due to the infirmity of the flesh. And I dealt with that just a few minutes ago. Let's take a look at it. Romans 6, verse 19 I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of the flesh, or of your flesh. The flesh has been severely damaged and weakened because of the fall. It's very susceptible to 
being enslaved to evil passions, overeating, smoking, drinking, gambling. The list can go on and on and on with that. He went on to say, For as you have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness. This is what the unsaved do. They yield the members of the physical body as slaves over to moral uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Take a look at that particular phrase. That's jumping from one sinful thing to the next. And each thing becomes more and more sinful. And let me tell you, that kind of a lifestyle only drags a person down, and that's what sin does. It drags down and totally wrecks the person. And here's the other thing. When man fell in the garden, he didn't stop falling. 4,000 years, 6,000 years, and we're living in the most technologically advanced age. Man is smarter now than he's ever been. And you would think that education would lift him up, but it seems as if though all it does is drag him further down into sin and immorality and whatever the case, man is still falling. Look at the latter part of verse 19. Even so now, now that you're saved, yield your members, servants, to righteousness unto holiness if we'll yield ourselves to the holy spirit no matter how far down we've gone he'll pull us up to the level of holiness look at verse 20 for when ye were the servants of sin you were free from righteousness when you were a slave to the sin nature doing all kinds of ungodly things, it was impossible for you to have any kind of righteousness. Like I said, that, that sin nature has to be shut off, cut off, before any cleaning up can be done. Verse 21, What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? None. The fruit of a sinful lifestyle is always bad. It only brings bondage, hurt, and shame. For the end of those things is death. Iniquity adds to more iniquity, which drags a person down to the lake of fire. Verse 22. But now being made free from sin, faith in Christ and what Christ did for us at Calvary's cross, cuts us loose from the weight of sin. As well, it shuts down the sin nature so that it can't spew out any more of its evil. And someone has said the only difference between a sinner and a saved person is that the saved person is forgiven. Well, I beg to differ. That's not the only difference. We're free from the power of the sin nature dominating and ruling and reigning within our lives. That's a big difference. So, when someone says that, 
There's more to your salvation than just being forgiven. That corrupting force within your heart and life has been cut off, has been shut down. And it stays shut down as long as you keep your faith anchored in the finished work of Christ. All right. But now being made free from sin, we have now become servants unto God. We were slaves to the sin nature. Now we're a slave to God. He's our new master now. And a servant was one whose will was swallowed up in the will of his master. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. That's the latter portion of verse 22. Our union with Christ is what makes us holy. Let me say that again. Our union with Christ is the only thing that makes us holy. And without holiness, no man shall see God. People's got a funny idea about holiness. You got to wear your shirt sleeve down so far. Your hair has to be a certain way. No makeup, no jewelry. Uh, You can't drink anything out of a can. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I, yeah, you, you can't drink nothing out of a can because somebody will think that you're drinking a beer in that can. That's, that's old-time Church of God right there, believe me. They don't, they don't enforce that anymore, but that's, that's legalism. Let me tell you something. You can have your hair up in a bun real tight and that tongue so loose and cut your brother and sister all to pieces. Uh, hello? Yeah, and, I, and I know some folks, they'll go to church and go to seventh heaven and speak in tongues, and they'll cut you all to pieces when they get home. Is that holiness? There, there is only one type of holiness. That's to be in Christ. We're in union with Him. His holiness becomes our holiness. And we belong to Him. We are servants of God. And let me tell you, we're to live a holy life. We're to live a life of holiness. Go to Romans 12 and verse 1, if you will. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's interesting to note here in this verse that the same Greek word that was translated present, present your bodies a living sacrifice, it is the same Greek word that was translated yield in Romans chapter 6, verses 13, 16, and 19. Yield yourselves unto God. Present your body. Present the members of your physical body unto the Lord. I liken it this way. Don't put yourself in a situation that's going to be conducive to sin. Present yourself unto the Lord. 
if you know there are certain things and activities going on over here, stay away from over there. Not that you're better than they are, but you just need to understand there are certain things over there, and, and there's temptation over there, and, and, and your sin nature can have a revival, and you wake up somewhere, you don't know where you're at. And that, that's what happens to some younger believers after they get saved in, a, in adapting to this, this new walk in the Lord. Hopefully some of you have not experienced that lately. Amen. You present yourself to the Lord. That means you come to church and, and, and you listen to that which is conducive to the, the moving of the Holy Spirit. All right. We're to present our bodies to the Lord. We're to be consecrated, dedicated, and holy to the Lord and to His service. Anything that is holy has been set apart. It's been removed from the realm of the common over to the sphere of the sacred. And that which is holy is to never be used in a common or profane way. That which is consecrated to God must be for His use alone and forever. We're to live a life of separation and not isolation. Now let me show you that. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter, chapter 2, move down to verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Having your conversation or your lifestyle has to do with your lifestyle. Having your lifestyle honest among the Gentiles. There you have it. We're to live a life of separation unto God and not isolation. You're to live your life in, in such a manner that the people around you see that there's something different. There's something different about you. You don't react and respond like the average person. You're peculiar person. That's not a bad thing. Look at your neighbor and tell them you're peculiar. <laughs> Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. And uh, I'm not going to take the time to get into Colossians chapter 3. But if you want to know what living a holy life is, read the third chapter of the book of Colossians. That lays out some holy living for you right there. If you want to know how 
you're to order your life. Read that entire chapter. All right, Romans chapter 6, verse 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now this verse sets before us life and death. If we stay in bondage to the sin nature, our earnings will be death. And the death spoken of here is so horrible to defy description. It's eternal separation from God, the giver of life in a lake of fire. A gasoline truck collided with a passenger bus in New York City. bus was full of passengers. The impact immediately caused that gasoline to ignite and it just erupted into a ball of fire. The heat from it damaged some of the buildings that were close by. The horror of it caused some people on the street corner to to pass out and faint. And the people inside that bus were screaming, pounding on the sides of that bus trying to get out, screaming as the flames was going across their bodies. And in just a few seconds, everybody on that bus was dead. And it was over. But let me tell you, in hell, it's never over. It is eternal. A lake of fire. It's one thing to have fire and being burnt on your skin. But being in a lake of fire and having that sensation of drowning... When, when you're in the water, it gets up your nose and in your ears and in your mouth. And it, 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 it's, it's in you. It's outside of you. We, we can't imagine the death that the Scripture gives us here. For the wages of sin is death. That is something that is earned. The wages, that's something you earn. People in hell earned that position where they're at. But now I want you to notice this. We also have contrasted here in this verse, we have life, eternal life. And it is not earned. It is a free gift of God. And it is a gift that can only be received by faith. And that faith has to have the right target. And that target is the Lord Jesus Christ. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. 
Go to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.